Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of The Dairy Edge. Chagas are running a weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also being made available as a podcast. On this week's webinar, Stuart Childs discusses the new nitrates bands, which are based on milk yield, and provides a case study on how cow numbers will change depending on the band herds fall into. Okay, good morning everyone, and welcome to this week's Let's Talk Dairy webinar. So today I'm going to be talking about the um, proposed introduction of nitrates excretion bands or an adjustment to the excretion or the excretion figures for dairy cows that's been proposed as part of the review of the derogation. Uh, and I suppose in reality, no matter what way we look at it, this is going to come into force, but it's not really going to be a matter of when it is going to come into force. And there's probably going to be a small uh, impact on some people and a bigger impact on others um, with approximately maybe 20 to 25 percent of herds in the country are going to be affected significantly, I suppose, in reality. So I suppose just as a bit of context, um, I'll just show you the bands now. Uh, the department asked Chagask to uh, look at these bands and uh, look at the nitrogen excretion figures because milk yields have increased over the last number of years since milk quotas have been abolished, obviously. And we would be looking at a scenario when you just look north of the border here where there's uh, higher nitrogen excretion bands for higher output cows also. So as a result, um, we have come under pressure from Europe uh, through the department, obviously, that our 85 figure, which we had last year, uh, wasn't sufficient for the output that we're beginning to generate now uh, on a per cow basis. And this has had to be looked at again. So I'll just uh, share my screen here now. Um, so as I said, um, the department uh, challenged our research colleagues to um, look at these figures again uh, and come up with figures uh, for them. So uh, there's kind of no denying the science, basically the figures are what they are um, and they're going to be implemented. It's just a matter of when they're implemented. So as we currently stand every cow in the country, no matter what production they're doing, uh, since the start of this year has moved to a figure of 82, 89 kgs of nitrogen per organic nitrogen per hectare. And obviously that had some small impact as well, obviously going from 89 to 85, uh, depending on how close you are to the 250 limit, maybe already could have seen a reduction in cow numbers in some farms or adjustments in order to, to tie in with them. Band one, um, there are approximately 15 to 20% of herds that are producing less than four and a half thousand kilos of milk every year. Um, and they are going to fall into a category of 80 kgs of nitrogen per hectare. Um, whereas the vast majority, 65 odd percent, I think, are in the category four and a half thousand to 6,500 kgs, which is the upper limit of that is around approximately 6,300 um, litres of milk per cow. So that one is going to move to 92. So basically, the, as I said, the vast majority of herds are probably going to be in that category. So there is going to be a small adjustment there. You're going to have a 3 kg increase in your organic N per cow and foot of that adjustment. The one that's probably concerning a lot of people uh, concerns probably 20 to 25% of herds, I'd say, um, in total, is this span three where cows are producing more than 6,500 kgs or 6,300 litres per head. And their organic figure is going to increase significantly up to 106 kgs of organic in per hectare. So, as I said, I think um, no point in really arguing about uh, the figures here. The figures are what they are. It's going to be a case of when are they going to be implemented and what are people going to be able to do, I suppose, in terms of mitigating against them or managing around them or whatever way you want to look at it. Okay. 
So I know from the submissions from the IFA and ourselves in Chagas that there has been two elements put into it uh, from the Chagas point of view in that it's difficult to plan for milk yield on a year-to-year basis so that it should be calculated over a three-year rolling average, which would allow you to break the 6,500 kgs in, an, in a year, potentially. Uh, and if you had a very good grass-growing year and cows went really well, everything went really well, and you happened to go over 6,500, that you wouldn't be penalised by virtue of the fact that you'd have to suddenly reduce stock numbers or adjust land areas the following year so that it would be calculated on a rolling average. Uh, and the IFA and ourselves are both in agreement in terms of the proposal to bring this in on the 1st of January 2022 is a bit short in terms of notice for to allow people to adjust to it and that there may be a longer lead in time uh, um, made available to people to adjust to the, to the new scenarios. So I suppose just to outline the current scenario, um, as I said, currently running at 89 kgs of N per hectare. Um, 100 cows and 40 hectares would keep our standard two and a half cows per hectare. Not going to really push the boat too hard in terms of stocking rate. And we're only looking at cows here for simplicity. Uh, obviously, if we bring in young stock into it, they're not being affected by the changes in the figures of excretion rate figures. They're, con- they're continuing to be the same as what they were always at 24 for a not one and 57 for a, a one to two. Um, so if we do the 100 cow scenario on the 40 hectares, as I said, it's two and a half cows to the hectare not an excessive stocking rate, obviously stocking up during the course of the summer to cut your silage, et cetera. Uh, 100 cows, and this is obviously a very clean scenario because we're not accounting for, there's obviously some nitrogen produced by calves that are born on the farm and stay on the farm for a fortnight, maybe three weeks before they're sold, et cetera. And that all factors in, which is what makes it tricky to predict sometimes. Um, so 100 cows by 89 kgs of N is going to give you 8,900 kgs of N per annum. And if you divide that by your 40 hectare land base that you're declaring, you're going to be at 223 kgs of N per hectare. So I suppose what are the implications for that? Um, obviously, you're in a derogation situation there. So in order to retain our derogation, is going to be very important for this farm uh, to be able to continue to farm at the level that they're farming. Okay, So that's our current situation. What is the likely impact of changing? Uh, as I said, the band one is going to drop to 80 kgs. So that's probably not going to be a huge issue. And I don't think it's probably going to affect a huge number of farms in, in positively or negatively, really. So it's going to, they're going to have a lower nitrogen excretion rate that could potentially carry more cows if they wanted to. But the likelihood is that they're probably not going to um, do that. So just band two, then I suppose, uh, as I said, that should actually be 4,501. So it's uh, 4,501 up to 6,500 kgs of milk you're going to move to the 92 kgs of N per cow. And as I said, that's going to affect a lot of people, probably 60, 60 to 65% of herds in the country are going to fall into that category. So they're going to go from 89 to 92. So again, keeping the same scenario, 100 cows on 40 hectares and or two and a half cows to the hectare. Only changes here being that the nitrogen excretion rate has gone up by three kgs. And we move to a situation where we're now producing 9,200 kgs of nitrogen uh, per annum on the farm. And when we divide this by our 40 hectare land base declared, um, we're getting a figure of 230 kg. So I rounded up the last one, the 223 from 222.5 to be exact. Um, so we're just up seven kgs of nitrogen per hectare across the, the 40 hectares, obviously. Uh, and we're still in derogation te- category territory. Um, so dependent on the derogation being retained, obviously, as well. Um, but it's not 
materially affecting the farm in terms of the numbers of cows that can be carried and um, numbers of cows can or land area that needs to be available for for to continue to farm at the level that you're farming so no major impact in that sense and three however as i said is the one that's going to cause uh, the most uh, consternation i suppose maybe especially where herds are affected by it and especially where herds are floating in or around the six and a half thousand kgs there are some uh, high output herds would say that are well up in advance beyond the six and a half thousand kgs and obviously they are where they are there's no May, it, they're, they're, it, it is affecting them, but they, there's very little that they can do. Um, and in reality, I suppose, if we were to look at it, uh, the suggestion, I have heard some people suggesting that more bands would be brought in. But if we bring in more bands, you actually, the higher the milk yield goes, the higher the nitrogen excretion rate is going to go. And as a result, that would actually have a, a greater detrimental impact for higher output herds. So again, reflecting the same scenarios we've looked at in the other two situations, 100 cows and 40 hectares, only changing from uh, 89 to 106. Obviously, our nitrogen uh, in, um, produced on the farm per year is going to increase to 10,600 kgs. When we divide this by our 40 hectare land base, this brings us at 265 kgs of N per hectare. So as I said, Jack Nolan, Bernard Harris and his colleagues are heading to Brussels, or if they're not there potentially already, kind of trying to negotiate the retention of derogation within Ireland um for another four years and it's very very important like we have seven and a half thousand herds i think eight thousand herds are um in derogation uh, currently and uh, a good three to four maybe even five thousand herds that are availing of slurry exports to keep them uh, under the 170 so basically farming over the 170 but uh using slurry export to stay under the 170 and that is going to obviously be important that we retain that derogation uh, and it's these adjustments we say, such as increasing nitrogen excretion bands and so forth. We have to do these because uh, Europe are looking for us to do this. Uh, and as I said, Chagisk have uh, done the figures at the behest of the department to come up with the new figures for it. So as I said, in this scenario, we're going to see a situation where we're going to have to do something in order to, to um, get around or circumvent is probably the wrong way of, of describing it, but to deal with, I suppose, the uh, adjustment to the cow figure in terms of nitrogen on this farm, on, on this fictitious farm that we're looking at. So what are those options? I suppose if we just take it, if we're I'm making the assumption that we are going to retain a derogation at 250 kgs of N per hectare in this scenario. Uh, so that means that basically when you multiply the land area by 2,500 kg, or two, sorry, 250 kgs per hectare, and you divide it by the 106, uh, it's going to give you the, the number of cows that you can have. Um, or else, if you divide the number of the, the actual nitrogen allowance that you have on 40 hectares of 250 by 106, that's going to tell you the land, the area that you're going to need. So extra land in this case is approximately two and a half hectares required. So an extra two and a half hectares would have to be declared in order to bring you back in at bang on 250 more or less. So just, just staying within the limit. Uh, a reduction in numbers is the other option, and obviously that there's a suggestion that that might be the preferred option in terms of reducing the cow numbers from an emissions point of view. Uh, and that would mean that there'd be six less cows on this farm. Um, so only 94.33 technically uh, could be carried on the farm at the current allowances. Um, so obviously we can't have 0.33 of a cow, so we have to take out six cows in order to stay within the limit. So we'd be milking 94 cows on this 40 hectare block. 
The other option is that's available, as I mentioned already, there are quite a number of farms currently using slurry export for various reasons, maybe using tillage ground, um, exporting slurry to tillage farms. The other option that's coming available in terms of slurry export is maybe um, anaerobic digesters potentially could be taking slurry from farms, which would be uh, a suitable method of slurry export uh, in line with derogation or with nitrates regulations. Um, and the other thing is then maybe some people have land taken for silage that maybe the owner is declaring for um, BPS purposes and so forth, but they are taking slurry on, on an export basis in order to um, facilitate the growing of crops of, of silage, etc. So I suppose the other option then, I suppose, um, it's, it's not applicable to the scenarios that I've shown you here today, but in general, I suppose, if there is going to be an increase in the nitrogen produced by the cow herd, obviously there, this could cause um, a knock-on effect on the young stock, which, as I said, I haven't included in the examples here because of the just complexity of trying to go walk, walk through the example. And I just want to give you a flavor, I suppose, really, of what's potentially coming down the track at people uh, rather than getting into the complexities of the scenarios with no stock numbers, et cetera. That's going to have to be up to people to consult with advisors and work that out on a case-by-case -case basis. But contract rearing is a potential option where land, like I'm, I know definitely down in this area, land um, in the in the Munster area, land is uh, quite hard to come by. And uh, it's not going to, maybe going to be a, a huge option for people to go out and get extra land. And I suppose there are factors that people must bear in mind as well when they're considering these options as well. And what should in a second? So contract rearing potentially could offer an option to um, alleviate the pressures of nitrates on a farm where they are going to kick in with the change of bends uh, and also have a positive impact in terms of um, labour on a farm too. So just to summarise, I suppose, for today, the new bands will come into play um, and they will come into play soon. Um, I suppose the main thing is that we probably have to figure out or that we're waiting to see is when are they actually going to start to kick in? So as I said, the original suggestion is that they'd start to be coming into play from the 1st of January 2022. And as I said, a number of submissions that I've seen so far that have gone in in relation to the consultation process around nitrates and uh, the review of nitrates have suggested that this would be more on a phase basis, that there'd be an opportunity given to people to adjust to the new scenario. Um, the second point, I suppose, is that people need to know that your, their position. So I suppose it's, it's a simple enough calculation in reality. I suppose it's cow numbers by the um, various figures that you see. Are you, do you know what your figure is in terms of milk yield per cow? Um, I, sometimes I think people may think that they have higher output than they actually do. But uh, if you divide it by the total number of cows that are on the farm over the course of the year, um, that's in, dividing that into the total milk yield sold to your co-op uh, is going to dictate what your figure is going to be. Uh, and then I suppose you're going to see, are you going to fall into that band three or band two? And as I said, band two is going to have a lesser impact. But if you're very close to a 250 limit already uh, with your cow numbers currently, then it could put you into a position where you are going to require extra land or maybe that slurry export, as I said, depending on what kind of a land situation you're in. And then um, if you are already close to the 250 and you're going to move to the 106, that's going to have a dramatic impact in terms of your nitrate position. So it's important that people establish their position uh, and then, um, I suppose, making the right choice for your farm from a labour and an economic perspective. 
like land price can be prohibitively expensive for own people and in a lot of cases that's why people haven't maybe taken on extra land and they've stocked up as, as much as they could on the farm within the current regulations. Now the regulations are changing and people are going to be forced to make a decision here. And as I said, from a labour point of view and economic perspective, you have to make, do the sums and, and see, is it justified to actually go take on the extra land? From a labour point of view, if you're already pushed to the absolute limit, maybe to try to manage what you have, uh, taking on extra land that may be away from the block isn't necessarily going to be something that's going to help your situation from a labour point of view. And maybe uh, milking a few less cows potentially could be the right solution for your farm. No, this is going to vary. There's a lot of, a lot of farms out there that are going to make very different scenarios. Uh, there's a question here. It's the 50 to 60 cowherd stocked high will be put out of business, and that's the reality. I suppose it's, it's a fair point, Tim. I suppose that there's um, there's pressure on uh, at all levels. I suppose there are some people probably a little bit more insulated than others. But look, I think it's uh, on a case by case basis. We're going to have to look at the scenarios and see what are the options that are available to people to um, alleviate the pressures that the nitrates are going to create for people. It's, I'm not saying that it's going to be easy. Obviously, I, I wouldn't like to diminish anybody's um, situation or make light of anybody's situation. But it is, unfortunately, a scenario that we are going to have to deal with. So the new bands are going to come into play. Uh, and as I said, we have to figure out where we're going to be uh, in regards to those and make the right choices around how we're going to react to the changes. And from there... Then I suppose it's going to be a scenario of whether we are going to take on the extra land, whether we're going to reduce the cow numbers. And as I said, it's probably important. I think it's very important that these two elements are factored in. There's no point in necessarily taking on the extra land um, just in order to continue doing what you're doing if continuing to do what you're doing from an economic perspective isn't making sense. So if you're going out there to pay more land, more money for more land in order to continue to do what you're going to do, is that going to have a detrimental effect on your bottom line overall? And sometimes, and I'm not saying that it's in every case, but in some cases, the right choice will be to actually reduce the cow numbers uh, and reduce the cost associated with running the, the entire operation possibly. And I know of several cases where farmers have dropped back in numbers um, having pushed it to the absolute limit, I suppose, in the absence of quotas and have actually performed on an equal pair from a financial point of view. So it may not necessarily be the absolute detriment of your economic situation. So it's important that people look at it on a whole farm basis and also on a case-by-case -case basis. So what, what's good, good for the goose may not necessarily be good for the gander, and, and it will vary from farm to farm, as I said. So just to summarise, new bands will come into play. It's only a matter of case of when. Knowing your position is going to be very important. So what, what way is it going to affect your farm? and then establishing the right choice for your farm uh, from a labour and an economic perspective. And an economic perspective, I suppose, is the, is the key one that everybody's going to be looking at. Nobody wants to be down money, and you can fully understand why people are looking at it from that perspective. Um, it makes perfect sense. But just bear in mind that it may not necessarily have the negative impact on your economic position that you may think. Okay, So as I said, consult with um, and your advisor in relation to the financial ramifications of any adjustments that may come. Um, and as I said, hopefully we will have time to adjust to these. So it may make things a little bit easier for people to, to um, adjust to it in that phase. Okay, so I'll just stop sharing if anyone wants to ask a question in relation to 
anything that I've shown there, please do uh, type it in there into the Q&A. I suppose just to remind you, just a little bit of housekeeping, as they say, um, tonight the Leds and Grass 10 are doing um, a webinar, I think it's at 8 o'clock, um, on managing the last rotation. So I suppose uh, we've gotten to the point where we're just about to start closing farms. Now tomorrow's 1st of October, and in some very high-stocked areas, people may already be starting to close or closing date is very much on people's mind. And the lads are just going to go run through with Paddy O'Brien and um, Podge Kellnan from County Leash. And Paddy's obviously from the heavy soils down in, in Friaries in Kerry uh, about how they operate their closing strategy and how, how they kind of think around how they're going to graze their paddocks for the last rotation. I suppose um, the key thing there is trying to make sure that you're set up for the spring. We've touched on it a couple of weeks ago in relation to identifying the paddocks that you'd like to be grazing in the early part of February, if, uh, if it's feasible to get out um, in terms of access, et cetera. So the lads are going to go through that. So you can, uh, if you look that up, if you just Google uh, Grass 10 webinar, you'll probably be able to find a registration link for that. It's been floating around on social media there with the last couple of days as well. So um, we don't have any questions in, I just say we'll wrap it up at that. So um, as I said, um, think of your, find out your own position and, uh, consult with your advisor from the point of view of the labour and the economic side of things as to how the future is going to be impacted by the changes in those bends. Um, next week, I'd be ho I'm hoping to talk to uh, somebody in relation to the suggestion of system drift that was spoken about at the open day. Uh, and then the following weeks, we'll be doing a good bit in relation to drying off cows around housing and selecting cows using ICBF reports and also the actual tubing technique. So uh, we'll say bye for now, wish you all the best. Uh, for the week ahead take care and stay safe bye bye that's all for this week's Let's Talk Dairy webinar series and don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week I'll be back with our usual Dairy Edge interview on Monday so do listen in then I'm Emma Louise Coffey and thanks for listening